Good morning, guys, and welcome to episode 80 of Costa Rica Real Estate and Investments with me, your host, Richard Beckson. I'm sure that you guys are probably getting bored of these intros by now, but I'm sorry, you've got, if you've just started, you've got 80 more of them to go. But anyway, things are uh, continuing to move here in Costa Rica. I think that you guys have probably seen from the previous podcast, a lot of people turning more towards land and building at the moment, just because there isn't a, a excess of inventory or there isn't really tons of inventory. Uh, there are some new condos being built in the Flamingo and also Tamarindo area as well. Some houses coming online uh, in the Uvita or Hochao area as well. Uh, I'm actually going to look at land this weekend for myself to build a four or a couple of four bedroom homes down there in Ohachao. It's just a very special area uh, and an area I see a lot of future down there. Great restaurants, um, and just beautiful scenery, kind of jungle hitting beautiful beaches. But anyway, um, I appreciate everybody that's reached out to me, uh, even you, a lot of you guys who I'm actually working with now. So helping to find land and also make the right investment here. A couple of you looking to buy hotels here as well. Um, and I think as you'll see by the previous podcast that we did uh, with Joshua uh, there, uh, when we talk a little bit about buying a hotel there, um, we have quite a bit of experience when it comes to running and buying and valuing hotels. So, but anyway, today we're going to be talking about the maritime zone concessions and owning beachfront land with Raquel Moya. She's a real estate lawyer, developer, and investment advisor here. So Raquel has a lot of experience. Her company is called Legal She. She used to be a partner at Sveda Legal here, which is a very large uh legal company here or lawyers. Um, but we're going to be talking to her. Um, she basically, as I said, their work has a lot of experience in concessions, the maritime zone, as well as advising companies looking to invest in coastal areas and free trade zones. Free trade zones here, you only pay 5% corporate tax. So today we're going to be focusing our talk on beachfront property, as I mentioned there. Uh, and let's just get straight into it. Good morning, Raquel. How are you doing? Hi, Richard. Good morning. Thank, Thank you for you having very me. Thank you very much for making time for us this morning to uh, talk about the maritime zone concessions and beachfront land. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Awesome. Well, Raquel, um, I mean, you've been involved in, in real estate and also the legal aspect of real estate for many years now. But I mean, over the past two years since the pandemic, I mean, what has really surprised you? And are you seeing any trends in the type of transactions that you're doing? Well, Richard, you know, the last couple of years have definitely been very interesting, very interesting. Um, I think they have been very in intense for the real estate market, at yep. least in Costa Rica. And in some areas in the country, I think I could only describe it as a chaotic frenzy. You yep. know, uh, it's something that, at least in my experience, I've never seen happen before uh, in the way it has for the last, these last years. And as you know, when the pandemic started, many people realized that they will be spending much more time at home than they were used to for an indefinite period of time. So they started making changes in their everyday lives. So for some people, this just meant renovating their home office or their kitchen. But for a lot of people, it meant deciding to go a little further in their pursuit for, for space and for comfort. So they bought second homes, they started looking for vacation houses and a little space of paradise for, for them in, in the world. Um, that's what I think was leading the real estate market in this last season. You know, people want more space, more beauty, more tranquility, and they wanted to feel free in a healthy environment, which is something that Costa Rica has to offer. So, you know, the real estate market started behaving very differently in the last two years, at least from what I was used to. And, and I think 
the things that surprised me the most were that the perception of, of risk changed. I had clients that were very risk adverse that started making a lot of decisions that were out of character. Yep. People were willing uh, to move into transactions faster, uh, to accept conditions they were not willing to accept before. You know, they kind of had this tomorrow may never come feeling and yeah. we're making a lot of decisions in that way. And also something that very much surprised me, and, and I think it is very obvious, but still it's it's surprising to see it happening, is the impact of global mobility in real estate markets and how uh, people realize, uh, although we had all the conditions before, we had the same technology, but it just suddenly became very obvious that we can work from wherever we are and that you could decide to live wherever you want and you don't have to make this decision based on what you do for a living. But what, but where you want to live, and I think those are the two trends that were leading the real estate market that people were making. I will say more emotional decisions in many cases. Uh, they they were completely aware that they were buying at very expensive prices. They are aware that it could be a risk, and they may not be able to resell at a better price in the, a price in the future. But still, all these people just really wanted a piece of land they would enjoy uh, for them and for their families. And I think that's the trend for this last season. I mean, I think that that's kind of the trend has been really, you know, it, it, it was really fueled by COVID, but then also, you know, the US printed, I think it was like 23% of all cash in circulation in the last two years and put it in people's pockets. So people have cash to burn, you know, the rich got richer. Uh, and they, of course, wanted assets, you know, a diversification away from the US to some extent or a diversification away from stock markets um, and also, you know, uh, real estate in the US, just because real estate in the US, of course, is, is sky high as well. Uh, and here in Costa Rica, uh, you know, I think that there is still tons of opportunities, um, you know, for future gains. So, but I agree with that. I think that definitely uh, impacted uh the U.S. real estate market in Costa Rica, for sure, no yeah. doubt. But also, uh, that's that's the leading real, real estate market, I guess, the most relevant. And what you're describing is exactly right. But we also saw that this behavior and this trend was going, was spreading a, a, among a lot of different people that did not necessarily have the size, uh, the budget to do this. Uh, right. It just, you will find a lot of different type of buyers and sellers too. Yep. The real estate market became very different, I think. And and for sure, uh, there was a boost based on what you described, but also people were just finding a way of becoming a part of it. Even, you know, the, the local real estate market reactivated a lot. A lot of people yep. in Costa Rica that somehow had never thought about buying homes near the beach uh, they decided, you know what, I don't need this house in San Jose to be this big. I'm just going to relocate to somewhere where my kids can go to the beach more often and have a closer contact to nature and just live there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I always say that Costa Rica is kind of a spillover of the U.S., meaning when there's an excess of capital in the U.S., it spills down here in Costa Rica. And we saw that in 07 and 08, of course. And I definitely think of course. the last two years. But yeah, I mean, I have a variety of different clients you know, finance, refinancing second properties to release equity from them in order to buy down here. But anyway, let's just change gears a little bit and talk about the maritime zone here. Uh, maybe you can explain what the maritime zone is to our listeners and also what they need to understand about beachfront land in Costa Rica. 
Yes, well, I think it's it's very interesting to know about beachfront property. Uh, beaches are definitely the most captivating uh, real estate attraction in, in our country. Our beaches yep. are just beautiful, stunning. And every real estate attorney or real estate agent is going to come across um, writing some land every now and then. And definitely not everybody understands. Um, it has a lot of differences when it comes to, well, of course, the, per- the process of acquiring land and and it's not actually acquiring land. We're going to go to it in a minute. And also the process of developing this land. It's very different than, than private property. So to start, um, it's important to know that the Meridian Stone Land is divided into areas, the public area and the one that I like to call the concession area. In Spanish is the restricted area, but I don't like that name. Uh, I usually change it when I speak to clients because it sounds too restrictive and it's already too restrictive. So I'm gonna call it the concession area, the area that you can get in concession. So the public area is the first 50 meter strip of land, which is completely restricted from private uh, ownership or development. And the concession area, which is formed by the next 150 meters that can be used, exploited and developed by a concession agreement. I will describe a concession agreement like a lease agreement with the state, you lease the land, for a period of time, usually 20 years. It can go from five to 20, but most municipalities use 20, which I think is the best because it gives people time to apply, to, to plan what they wanna develop. And provided that all requirements that are contained in the law are complied with, you will get an area through a concession agreement that would allow you to use, to enjoy, and to build in a way that feels a lot like private property with certain regulations and differences. What would be the main difference? Um, I think the most important thing to understand is that you're not technically acquiring land, you're acquiring a right to use land subject to certain regulations that among all this period that you're an owner, if you will, you will be subject to uh, a lot of regulations that you would not be subject to if you were a title property owner. Uh, All the wide constitutional protections that apply to private property are not the same that apply to marine stone rights. Um, Here, the rights of the state to protect the land and the environment prevails. So you need to be very careful with the decisions and actions that you take and always make sure you have authorization and that you coordinate with the municipality. Um, Also, um, you will need authorization for many things, not just to develop. If you want to transfer the land Uh, directly, and we can also get to the different ways in which you can do it, you will need authorization. And you will always be subject to a zoning plan. Um, We have zoning plans in some areas and in some areas we don't. When you want to acquire Meridian Stone area and develop it, one of the main requirements for it to be possible is that there is a zoning plan in the area. So you will be subject to specific rules. Um, I felt like you wanted to ask me a question, Richard. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm just, I just wanted to give a summary just so that people are aware. I mean, from high right. tide, zero to 50 meters is what I like to call owned by the people of Costa Rica. I don't like to say the government just because again, the government is a representation of the people. So, I mean, it is owned by the country and the people that live here. Uh, and then from 50 to 150 meters is the concession land, um, basically, whereas you said, I mean, you're literally renting it from the Costa Rican people.
people, um, you know, and you can develop it, but there are restrictions, but that is no different than some areas of New York. There are some areas in Asia, London, where you are just renting buildings for 99 years. You know, it, it, in the UK, we're used to it, but it's 99 year leases from the crown, which is the queen um, mm. or the king or whoever it is in, uh, you know, there at, the, at that particular moment in time. But yeah, just wanted to kind of just give a bit of a summary there to guys just so that they're aware. But I mean, that 50 to 100, and, let me just ask what percentage because there are some titled beachfront lands here right that 50 to 150 meters i mean what percent of the land would you say is titled and what percent would you say that is owned by the people and you have to have a concession on it well the percentage that's titled is very very low um it's a very unique find when you find something like that i don't think i can come down to a percentage but i can tell you where you could find that and why um, you find some of that in Hako area, for example, that was uh, land that was titled by rule of exception. Um, there were some laws that were approved for a very short period of time that would allow possessors to title the land. Uh, we find some cases in Tamarindo as well, um, but it's very, very um, unique. And, and no, there's there are three reasons why... I know Hunkiao has some, Flamingo has some, because the Palm Flamingo, of Flamingo some, yes. is, is there. Hunkiao had some as well. So yes. yeah. It's... And and when you find that, you know it's it's is the perfect find because you have you have beachfront and you have all the protections of private property and you don't have to worry about all these things. Yep. Uh, it's it's one of the best finds you could have, but it's a very, very slow percentage. I think we can uh, classify Maritime Zone area in different categories. You can find that first jewel, which is not very common, and, and you find it in some places. Um, usually when we find something like that, uh, as lawyers, we do a, some, sometimes we already know when a property comes and we know where it is, we know exactly how we got title. But if not, then you'll be very, very detailed in your due diligence to understand how it was titled, because there were only certain cases in which this could be done. And if it wasn't done correctly, something that's important, the state, the statute of limitations for the state to reclaim land never expires. Okay. So, which yeah. is why it's always important to understand uh, how this happened. Uh, but if it's well done and if it complied with the regulations at the time, it's definitely the best find. Uh, so that's one type of, of a maritime zone area, the title one, then there's the one subject to concession, which is most, I will say, the majority. And there's a lot of, of concession area that could become concession area that's still not governed by a zoning plan. We find that in, in many areas as well. And regretfully, there's nothing that can be done with it yet. And, you know, the municipalities, which are the institutions in charge of, of managing the zoning, um, the, the zoning maps in yep. the country and also the meridian zone areas, have a great responsibility in working in, in, in zoning plans so these land can be developed. And some people would think, you know, why, why, why rush it? Why, why have this land developed? But the reality is that when you don't have a zoning map, people are still going to find their way in, especially people that live in the coast or uh, that live from the sea, fishermen and and families they're still gonna you know people if, if they were born there they they feel they they own the land and they feel connected to it in a good way uh, and it's a responsibility of the state to create the conditions to have it grow in an organized matter uh, that respects the environment so we also have 
a group of land of maritime zone land that is yet not governed by by a zoning plan so it's not clear what you can do with it well it is clear you shouldn't do anything people still you know you still yeah. find some possession yeah. there and we have also um maritime zone area that it's actually classified as natural patrimony of the state which is covered by forest and protected areas and those areas are not subject to concession you could eventually apply to obtain a permission a, a permit to use it for forest projects and commun community projects in a very limited restricted way but it's not subject to development based on the maritime zone regulations You'd mentioned earlier, again, you can get a concession here, um, which is basically, a, I like to call a lease from anywhere from five to 20 years. What determines whether you get five years or whether you get 20 years? It's There are no rules to that. So it's a decision by the municipality. They have some level of discretion. I've, in my, they probably exist, but I've never seen a five-year one. Okay. And I think it wouldn't make any sense. By the time you start building, it's over. Yep. Um, I do know some municipalities like Nandajure use a 10 year term okay. sometimes. And, and you know, what ends up happening is that they reach expiration and nothing has happened, especially because, you know, now we're reaching a point in which there's more infrastructure to build in a lot of areas, but a lot of concessions were granted at the time where there was no water and not real conditions to develop. So people applied for concessions and basically held them for 20 years not being able to do anything or some actually decided they were going to do some land banking with it. Yep. Um, but most, in most cases it's 20 years. Okay. How let's talk ownership of concessions because can a foreigner own a, own a concession in Costa Rica, meaning someone that is not a resident or a citizen. I mean, how does that work? Yes. Well, you could own to start, you could own the concession directly in your personal name, or you could own it through a company. Okay. If you, own it directly through your personal name and you're a resident, you can own it as a resident, non-Costa Rican, but resident after five years. Okay. If, if you own it through a company, the rules are a bit different. Basically, it says that at least 50% of the shares must be held by Costa Ricans and the other 50% could be owned by people that are not Costa Rican but it doesn't make a difference between residents or non-residents. So a lot of people sometimes ask when they're trying to find a structure, okay, I've been a resident for X amount of years. Can I use my company to apply? And the answer is no, which is, you know, a difference that should not be there uh, because at the end, the purpose is the same. And more and more, if you want to develop property, a concession land, uh, you will most likely like to do it using a company. Yeah. So it shouldn't, the difference shouldn't be there. Our legislation definitely needs to be refreshed. Um, I think the concept and um, the way it was drafted, it was very focused on protection, which is good, but it somehow ignores the economic value that the, the, this area has for the community and for the investors. It, it kind of wants to deny it, yeah. which doesn't make any sense because it's obviously there and it's attracting a lot of people to our country. So we definitely need legislation that recognizes that value and provides proper regulation to it and eliminates this type of differences and restrictions. You know, there's, in my opinion, really no point in saying that you should or should be Costa Rican or not, 
to develop land. You should yeah. focus on, on, on your ability to develop and in your actual development plans. Yeah, I mean, that, that's interesting, you know, I mean, I mean, I get I can see both sides of it of like, look, we don't want anyone that's not Costa Rican, uh, you know, owning beachfront land, but there are just ways around it, of course, with a corporation and, and you know, um, you know, entrusting shares to, you know, Costa Ricans while well, a foreigner owns 50%. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you, you lawyers will, will definitely find a way because you always do around it. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a balance there because I think if it becomes too easy and everyone can own it, then of course there could be exploitation of beachfront land here. And, you know, we could end up looking like Mexico and Hawaii. So, but mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there shouldn't really be a reason that somebody from that's non Costa Rican could not own that. I mean, they can own that land today. There's just a, a legal structure, but maybe it could be simplified. And I'm sure that you have probably quite a few uh, ideas on how to do that. But um, let's not get into into that too much. But like, I mean, again, if there is a piece of land that is beachfront, Raquel, what is the questions that somebody should be asking if they want to buy it? Well, the questions they should be asking first is what's the status of that concession agreement and that concession file? Because in some cases, people think because they have been sitting on the land for a number of years and they have been processing their applications, they have a right. And sometimes they just have not been doing what they should be doing. So the first thing would be, what is the status of your concession agreement? What's the expiration term? When was it granted? Was it properly granted? And is it going to be renewed when, when it expires? Because if all terms and conditions have been complied with, the municipalities pretty much always renew the concessions, but you need to make sure that it happened. Um, then the second question I will ask, what is the zoning? And is this concession currently compliant with the zoning? Is there something that needs to change when I renew this concession? Is there anything that needs to be updated? Does the survey currently reflect the zoning regulations? And what am I going to be able to do with this land? Yeah. Um, so I think that that will be the second most important question. And the third important question is how I'm going to how am I going to to structure this investment? Like who are my investors? Um, is this something that I want for me? Is this something that I want to sell? Is this something that I want to develop and and you know when you say the word sell in most cases people are and and of course because our legislation is again very in my opinion old-fashioned and and kind of wants to deny this economic value when you talk to uh, attorneys and and people in general they don't want to say the word sell but you know the minute for example that you own a concession right in with a company your shares have a value and your shares are not the meridian zone area and and there is something that it is within uh within trade that you could trade and and sell so yes um a lot of people will not feel comfortable talking about selling or or having transactions that have to do with meridian zone land because yes meridian zone land is owned by the state and the land itself is not meant to be sold but of course, there's an economic value that grows around it that needs to be understood and governed. You know, the minute you develop the land, if you create a five-star hotel in beachfront property, okay, maybe there's no questions about how the land is owned by the state, but what happens to that investment? You pay taxes yep. concerning that investment. And so, yes, because of, of the all the details around it is important for you to ask yourself, what, what do I want to do with this? Is this something that I'm going to use for myself and, or my family, or I want to get some 
sort of economic benefit in the future from it because that's going to make a difference on how you structure the transaction. Let's just talk. You mentioned there about tax and income. Is property tax different on concession property than regular property? Yes, the land actually is not subject to to property taxes because it's not considered property. It's subject to concession fees. Yep. So the state, unlike title property, the state is the one in charge of of appraising the land and setting a value to it and then charging you for the use of it. Uh, The percentages are higher than real estate taxes. They go from 2% to 5%. Uh, But when you develop the land, the constructions become private property. This is the, the interesting thing. And you need to pay property taxes for the construction on the on the standard rate, which is 0.25%. Okay, okay. So you pay basically 0.25% on the building, but pay two to 4% on the concession. Two to five. Two yes. to five, wow, okay. Yes, yeah. it's high, it's high. And, and what has happened is that the municipality has not been very good at updating values and municipalities in some cases, but now they're waking up. They <laughs> now are. they're upgrading their values. And yes, it's definitely more expensive. Is I heard someone say once, I don't know, I can't remember who, and I'm not gonna say, but you know, you know, owning concession land is super cheap. It's like, no, 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 no. Like if you compare it to real estate taxes, it's actually quite more expensive. It's two to five percent. The yeah. thing is they're not giving the land a proper value, but the minute those values increase, the burden is higher. Yeah, I remember buying a piece of land that was valued in the National Registry at 20,000 colonies. Uh, yes, exactly. Back, so, yeah, anyway. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's coming to an end um, and not, not with Meridian Stone land because it's different, but you know, people weren't concerned about this, but because prior to, to July 2019, we didn't have capital gain taxes, but yep. now you want your land to have the proper value. Well, let, I mean, how long does it take to get a concession, Marco? I mean, if you're looking at a piece of land that doesn't have a concession and you want to apply, I mean, feel free to just tell me it's going to take as long as a piece of string. But like, I mean, how <laughs> long are people typically waiting? Two, three years, six months? That's such a hard question to answer because it depends in so many things. And being one of the main things being what municipality you're dealing with. Because if you describe the process to apply for a concession, it doesn't sound very complex. Uh, you file your application uh, with uh, a survey of what you want to get subject to concession and, and all the documents that they need to review your application. They should receive it, review it, plan an inspection, perform evaluation. If everything looks good, they will publish an announcement granting people and third parties a period of a, a time of 30 days to file oppositions. If there are no oppositions, they could start drafting a resolution draft that will be approved by the municipalities council. Then when it's approved, you will sign an agreement. This agreement will go to the tourist board. The tourist board will check that everything is good, issue a resolution, and then you will transcribe all of this with a public notary and get it registered. So it doesn't sound that complicated. You say, it oh, It does not at all, Raquel. It doesn't, but it is <laughs> because among this process, you could find a lot of different things. Uh, you could find prop, uh, issues with your survey, uh, that there was something in the zoning plan that wasn't done correctly and doesn't allow you to, to move forward. Or, you know, the valuation can be insane. So you want to find, file an appeal before it becomes final. Yep. So a lot of different things can happen. 
Um, when people ask me this question, I always first try to get to know the municipality a bit if I haven't worked with them in the past. Uh, if I know them, uh, I can have a better timeline, but I will say to you, it goes from 12 months, 12 to 18 or 24 months. Okay. And that implies you following up a lot. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I mean, it sounds like there are various bottlenecks, of course, because you have all these people going to the a local um, municipality. And then from there, it all goes to one bottleneck, which is the ICT, of course. So, yeah. Um, yes. And, you know, the, the ICT does a very good work, in my opinion. I think I think uh, having a better legislation and, and there's something being drafted right now, but I, I don't think it has had a lot of progress. But, you know, if if we had better legislation, it will be easier for for the state, for the municipalities and the tourist board to work because they're dealing with a reality that's not reflected in our legislation. So some a lot of things that need a solution are not found in the law yep. and, and that stops people mm -hmm. from taking action sometimes. Where is your favorite place to go in Costa Rica, Raquel? That's kind of a little off the beaten track. Oh. I always like to ask people this. You know, I, and I love it when people ask me that question, especially clients. And then I always tell them that I like being an attorney, but I wish I was a tourist guide sometimes. I, there are so many places that I like here. I won't be able to answer your question with, with one Where would you go? Place. I mean, if this weekend you were looking to go somewhere to kind of escape, where'd you go to escape? Yeah, I, I was... I was gonna first uh, start by saying that my favorite thing about the country is that depending on your mood, you can decide for something completely different. Yep. You could feel like going to the beach and then I'll tell you my favorite beaches or you could feel like going to the mountain, which is actually, I think I would definitely go to the mountain. It's one of my favorite places. So for me to take a, to go and relax, uh, I love Barablanca. Barablanca is beautiful. I love it up there as well. I love Barablanca. It's one of my favorite places. Uh, I love the, you know, I love the places in Costa Rica that still feel like a town yep. where you go and you'll find the pulperia and like cows Santa, walking. Santa Maria de Ota, San Marcos, Barablanca, all those exactly. places. Yeah. Those are my favorite places. Wow. And right now in well, Santa Teresa, I work a lot in the Santa Teresa area and I like driving up to Manzanillo. Yep. Because you have that feeling or Cabulla. Yep. Like if it's it's just nearby. So you're in this in the middle of this feeling in Santa Teresa full of people and investors and digital nomads. And then you drive a little bit up and go to Cabulla or Manzanillo and, and then you feel like you're back in town. And yep. and that's what I like. Wow. Well, Raquel, my last question for you. If you inherited $500,000 and had to invest into a business or real estate in Costa Rica, what would you invest it in? Well, I'm going to follow the trends I was, I was describing at first of you only live once and, and, and yep. you know, and, and, and I'll take it as, as emotional as, as it could be an emotional decision. I think I will build myself a stunning house up in the mountains. In, That's any, what I'll in do. any particular location, Raquel? Well, you know, I live in Santa Ana, and Santa Ana has some mountain areas that are yeah. amazing. Uh, and when you're up there, you don't even have a view of the city. You just you just see more mountains. So I think yeah. I would go there or Barablanca, which is one of my favorite favorite places. Awesome. 
Well, Raquel, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us here on this podcast. Um, I will put all of your contact descriptions in the, well, all of your contact details in the description down below. So anybody that wants to reach out to you that's looking to do a real estate transaction or looking at beachfront land here in Costa Rica, I think should definitely reach out to you. But thank you very much for your time, Raquel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was great talking to you, Richard. You have a great day. You too. Hey guys, uh, great podcast there with Raquel Moyer, their uh, legal she, uh, discussing concessions and beachfront land. As you can see, it's kind of complicated. A lot of people um, kind of steer away from it, but you have to understand is a lot of these luxury hotels that we have here in Costa Rica are built in concession land as well. So um, it, you're still somewhat protected uh, when you have these 20 year leases and they also do renew as well. There's never been a case uh, where I've heard where the government just takes someone's concession just because they want to. Usually it's, again, they did something incorrectly or they built incorrectly. So again, it's just, you just need to kind of paint within the, uh, or draw within the lines, color, color within the lines, sorry. But anyway, anyone that wants to get in contact with me about anything um, or just wants to kind of uh, pick my brain uh, or kind of, um, you know, get some contacts with regards to my network, I think is uh, anyone that's worked with me or knows me knows I have a very wide and deep network uh, in everything from, again, legal structures, court corporate taxes um, to, I mean, running, operating hotels, sales and marketing, um, web development. Uh, again, I've, I've done quite a few things just because I've owned quite a few businesses over the years. But you can email me info at investingcostarica.com. That's info at investingcostarica.com. And guys, thanks very much for your time.